Well, hi everyone. This is week two of our online service. So welcome to WS Online. And I've got to say, I already miss all of you. You know, it's just not the same uh, standing in an empty church, speaking to a camera, and we're going to miss all of each other's smiling faces and those friendly conversations at welcoming and the friendly conversations over morning tea. Today, we were scheduled to have our SMBC mission team come and join us for a week of mission. And like a lot of other things, that had to get cancelled. But I thought I'd take the opportunity to speak directly to the situation that we're facing with this coronavirus pandemic and how it's impacting our lives and I guess wreaking havoc around the globe but also wreaking havoc in people's hearts. So let's pray as we come to God's word. Lord God, we thank you that you speak to us through your word and in this time of trouble that you are not silent but you speak to our hearts messages that we really need to hear. We ask that you would help us to be open to what you have to say to us by your spirit through your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'm sure you, like me, you feel like coronavirus is dominating our lives like nothing else. Wherever you look in the media, we're constantly bombarded with the global coverage of the COVID-19 pandemic unfolding. We see maps of the infection rates and deaths spreading. We see government leaders announcing new restrictions or new stimulus packages to try and help people get through. We see people in hazmat suits cleaning up, disinfecting public spaces. And as this ABC report says, our fear of coronavirus could be far more contagious than the disease itself. We're living in a strange climate that's dominated by fear. We're asked to be conscious of social distance. Now we're afraid of getting too close to someone else. Uh, Every surface you touch You're thinking, I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, oh, um, I just touched something. Could that have had coronavirus on it? You're aware of every touch. Could this be contaminated? We're afraid of contamination and contagion. And our health systems are going to be under a lot of pressure. We're afraid for um, how they'll cope. We're afraid for our friends or family who might be working on the front line in these um, in hospitals uh, that are treating people with coronavirus. And we're afraid of our economy. People's jobs are on the line and we just don't know how bad it's going to get. As things shut down, as stock markets crash in response, uh, we don't know where things will go in the future. We're afraid of our stability and security. We're afraid for our livelihoods, our homes, and we're afraid for our families and our futures. There's so much that is unknown. 
How do we face life in this uncharted territory ahead? Psalm 46 shows us how we can move forward with calm confidence in a world of chaos. Psalm 46 shows us how we can move forward with calm confidence even in a world of chaos. And Psalm 46 does this by pointing us to God. It says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake, with their surging. It sounds like a world falling apart, doesn't it? And in many ways, our world can feel like it's falling apart. I think of the, that uh, you know, end of the world movie, 2012, um, where there's you know, this sea um, taking over the world, the world's collapsing and falling apart. Maybe they got it wrong. Maybe it was 2020. They were out by eight years. Maybe, maybe worse things are going to happen this year, but it already feels like the world is falling apart, right? Like it feels like we've had the drought and it was everything, the, the pitch of the media and the feeling in the community was like, oh, this is terrible drought. When is it going to end? And then there were the bushfires. And then it was that fever pitch throughout the bushfires. We were choking in smoke. When is it going to end? And then there was the storm. Heaps of people around Sydney, every, lots of, every second person I spoke to had lots of water come through their home, through their roof. And now this. This kind of resonates with our experience, doesn't it? Um, this, this kind of picture the psalmist gives of this end-of-the-world type scenario, this world falling apart, a world where things are just not as they should be, a world full of danger and death, a world breaking apart at the seams. And what does it say? God is our refuge, our shelter. God keeps us safe. God is our strength protection. And God is our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. And this doesn't mean like we won't get afraid or we won't have that emotion of fear. Of course, we all have that emotion. Of course, that's what this psalm is all about. But it does mean that when we have God as our refuge, our strength, our help, we don't need to continue in fear, be dominated in fear, be destroyed by fear or be driven by fear to do irrational things. Fear won't destroy us and own us and control us. We can walk on and face our fears through whatever fears we are experiencing. So this psalm calls us to face our fears by living in the reality of God. And there's three things that I want to highlight here, three realities that this psalm points us to so that we can walk on through any fears that we face. 
Firstly, it points us to living in the reality of God's presence. Living in the reality of God's presence. See verse 4 and 5. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She shall not fall. God will help her at break of day. In the midst of chaos, we can walk on with calm confidence, knowing that God is with us, the maker of the whole universe, with you and with me. The psalm pictures God with his people within his city, and this is like a river flowing a source of life, a source of joy and gladness. Like a lot of poetry, uh, this psalm can function on more than one level. And this image of God in a city and a river brings up two powerful images from Scripture for us. Firstly, we think of the city of Jerusalem where God's temple was, where God promised that his presence would dwell with his people. And this city had a wall around it that people would attack. And King Hezekiah had an underground channel built uh, from the Gihon Spring uh, to the Pool of Siloam. And this underground channel was like a river bringing water, bringing life, so that people could survive even if they were attacked from outside. The city needed a source of water. But there's a, a second and greater image that we think of when we think of this psalm with this city, with God in it, and a river. And that's the image at the very end of the Bible, where we see God giving a picture of, of heaven, of the, the new creation, of the future hope for people in Revelation 22, verses 1 to 2. It says, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life. And you can feel in this poetry, can't you, this amazing symbolism. This death and destruction is gone, and in God's presence, there's this place where life flows abundantly, where water, the source of life, is flowing out. And it's this picture of God's presence as a, as a place of blessing, of life, of peace, where everything is good and right. Amidst the chaos and destruction going on uh, here and now, and... Um, going on for the psalmist back probably facing battles and um, facing dangerous enemies outside, we get a glimpse of a heavenly and future reality where God's presence gives happiness and safety fully and finally. And we think about this, this image of God's presence throughout the Bible. Uh, we think of God in the Garden of Eden, creating people to enjoy 
his presence, a relationship with him. And then we think of the fall where the people turn their back on God and leave God and and they're cut off from the place of God's presence and blessing. They walk out of the garden. The garden, the way to the garden is barred. And then we think of God coming to Abraham, coming to Isaac, coming to Jacob, coming to these people and making promises that through your descendants, I'm going to bless all nations. And then we think of God's presence with Israel in the wilderness, through the tabernacle, through the cloud by day and the fire by night, showing his presence with them visually. And then God's presence in the temple in Jerusalem. And then finally, God's presence coming in Jesus. We think of how God, the Lord of everything, comes into his world to make all things new. And we think then about how God gives his Holy Spirit. As Jesus goes back to heaven, God gives his Spirit to his followers that we can enjoy God's presence in our hearts, the Spirit of God with us always. And then we think of that final consummation of God's presence when God will make all things new. This we see this presence of God is this source of every good, every blessing. And that's what this psalm is pointing us to, this ever-present God, this one who is with us. Well, it's like a river. And we, we've seen that, you know, we've got a shortage of toilet paper, haven't we? I guess like, uh, I don't know if you're sitting next to someone watching this. Hopefully you are, you are sharing in community. Maybe you're in a Zoom meeting with some, some people watching this. And I don't know if you want to put a show up of, of hands up of who actually has got enough toilet paper or who actually needed some and went there and found that the panic buyers had bought it all out and you're in serious trouble. I don't know. There's maybe even worse things to lose than toilet paper. We've seen shelves bare all around the place. Maybe you've gone there to get some basic essentials of food and you haven't been able to get it. And we've seen this panic buying, this mentality of scarcity that there's not enough so I'm going to get whatever I can, just affecting everyone's minds. And it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? When you think there's not enough, you try and take all there is and then it ends up there's not enough for some people. You know, there was a video clip uh, at um, a Wool Woolworth Chalora, which is not too far away from our church, where it went viral, it went national, it went international, where these people were fighting over the toilet paper, even though there actually was enough to go around. Scarcity, this feeling of there not being enough, it messes with our heads, it messes with our hearts, and it makes us do foolish things. But here we get this picture of God as this river of life, this source of abundant life. There's plenty to go around. And as we trust in God for provision, we don't get messed up by fear of scarcity. Sure, we take prudent steps to get what we need, but we won't be hoarding, panic buying, and doing crazy things. You know, um, 
there's a stay home campaign, hashtag stay home. Um, and uh, the Simpsons and the Queen have been featuring in this, uh, this artist's stay home campaign. Uh, nobody is immune from coronavirus. I don't know about you, but my kids have been staying home from school and it's kind of a, you know, it's kind of a, a two-edged sword. I don't think they've been getting too much schoolwork done. Um, it's much harder for them to do schoolwork when they're staying at home. There's just so much distraction and there's, there's no one else there, you know, kind of pushing them to do it. But, you know, it is really, on the, on the plus side, it's really nice that you then get time, more time to spend together as a family. No, not so much rushing, not, no, not all these kind of big commutes and long times to uh, drop off and pick up after school. And we've actually had more time with the kids, which has been a nice surprise. And people love being at home at the moment, I think, especially because home feels safe. It feels secure. It's a refuge. It feels like the place that you really want to be. This psalm points us to the ultimate safety and security and refuge being in the presence of God. God and God's presence with us, that is our safety, that is our security, that is our ultimate home. Like a baby with a mother who just feels immediately safe when her mother comes for her being held in her mother's arms. That's, I guess, a, a small glimpse of how we are with God. We're small and helpless from many things, but we're in God's loving arms. Uh, like a, f a child with, it's like a boy with his father. He might be too scared to go and enjoy the water at the beach by himself, but with his father's hand, he knows he's safe and secure. And in the same way, in God's presence, we know that we are safe and secure, no matter what happens. Even if we die, we can face death safe and secure in God's hands. So that's point one. We need to learn to live in the reality of God's presence. And we do this by the Holy Spirit that God gives to us. Point two, we need to learn to live in the reality of God's power. We need to learn to live in the reality of God's power. We trust that God is sovereign and in control. God is the ultimate authority and there's nothing beyond God's power. So we can look to God for ultimate protection. See verses six and seven. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. It sounds like what's going on around us, isn't it? Nations are in uproar, not like we maybe expected um, in war, but in this terrible disease that's spreading around the globe, a world in chaos, 
And into this it says, God speaks and the earth melts. It kind of suggests this, it softens, the hardness disappears and the, the forces of evil are defeated. Then we read, the Lord Almighty is with us. Lord Almighty, all-powerful, this is the God who is present with us. This is why we can have confidence in him. With us, this, this God who created the universe, who, who by his power made the stars and the planets and holds everything in place. This God knows every single one of us, seven billion or so people on the earth, yet knows and cares for you and me, has numbered the hairs on our head, knows every day that we will face. God is almighty. God is with us, this powerful God. And then it notes the God of Jacob is our fortress. Obviously, fortress is this image of strength. This castle stands strong. But this God of Jacob, why would he mention the God of Jacob? Well, I wonder. Maybe it's because Jacob was the underdog. Esau was the older brother. Jacob was weak. Maybe the God of the underdog, the God of the powerless. God loves to help the weak and helpless. Maybe it's also because the God of Jacob highlights God's promises already fulfilled. God promised Jacob that he would see his descendants like Abraham, that he would become a great nation and God fulfilled that promise to him. And so we see that God is the God who keeps his promises. In 2015, Bill Gates gave a TED talk and he said that if something was going to wipe out tens of millions of people, it would not be this. This is what they used to prepare for, uh, a nuclear war like everyone feared. But he said, no, it would be this. Five years ago, it now seems uh, eerie how accurate he was in his predictions about the dangers that we're facing. He says, we invested so much in nuclear deterrence, in war, that um, that lessened the chance of a nuclear war. But he says, we haven't invested in the health system. Back in the 8th century BC, armies were the major threat. When this psalm was written, that's uh, what the psalmist is talking about. Now it's a deadly virus. But one thing remains the same. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. Nothing is beyond the scope of God's great power. So we can trust that God is able to look after us, look after our city, look after our world. And we may not know how God is going to do this, or why God has allowed these things. But we can know that we can call to him and that God is powerful and able to help and save us. We see this most clearly as we look at the work of 
Jesus, at the coming of Jesus. We see it as Jesus speaks. And the blind see. As Jesus says a word and the deaf hear. As Jesus speaks and the sick are healed. As Jesus speaks and the storm stops quiet. As Jesus speaks and the dead come back to life. God demonstrated his power by showing up in human history in Jesus. And the climax of this demonstration of power is as Jesus goes and dies and rises again. At the cross, Jesus died for our sins as a ransom for many to win us for God, he said. That's the way he described it. And then after dying and being dead for three days, just as the prophecies had said, he rose again from the grave, defeating the power of death. So we've seen that we need to live in the reality of God's presence. We've seen that we need to live in the reality of God's power, which we see fully and, and most uh, most clearly in Jesus. And thirdly, we see that we need to live in the reality of God's plan. We need to live in the reality of God's plan. You know, as we look around us in the world today, it can be easy to despair. What is going on? Uh, war, injustice, poverty, um, violence, environmental destruction, and now this? For some people, the coronavirus has been their last battle for thousands already and we don't know how many more it will take. For some of us, it may mean hardship and difficulty. There are so many unknowns. But no matter what happens, we can trust in God's sovereign plan. See in verse 8 and 9. It says, Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Again, speaking in the imagery of um, ancient Near Eastern battles, the psalmist shows God's peacemaking work, God's power over the forces of destruction and death. God is the war ender the one who destroys the weapons. God is the, uh, the one who destroys the agents of death and disease and will one day bring in a new world with no more sickness, suffering and death. God is the one who takes away death and defeats it forever. The one who wipes away every tear from our eyes. The one who promises this good and happy ending to human history. It's like God is painting a picture with human history, a master painter. And each of us can only see a small fragment of the painting. And you know when you get up really close to a painting, 
and it looks like muddy brush strokes and it it looks pretty rubbish to be honest you think what is going on here this is just a mess of streaks of uh, i can't make any sense of this but each of us can only see that little part of the picture and when we zoom out if we were able to to see the full picture of what god is painting we would see the beautiful masterpiece that god is working out of human history the good ending that he is bringing everything towards so we can trust god with history and we can not only trust god with history but we can trust god with his plan for our lives for your life and mine and next god speaks directly to us in in this psalm he says be still and know that i am god i will be exalted above the nations i will be exalted in the earth be still and know that i am god it's a favorite for um nice posters um this verse if you go into any kind of christian bookstore you'll probably see this on plaques on posters be still and know that i am god but this has two halves to it again At, on one level it's talking to the enemies of god those nations that were raging the death and disease that's causing destruction and in that sense this be still is a strong be still be still like jesus calming the storm and the raging waters go dead flat be still release drop your hands drop your weapons drop your fighting be still and it shows god's power over the forces of destruction and on the other hand this is an invitation to rest in god's presence isn't it relax be calm let it go all of your stress all of your worries all of your burdens be still and know that god is god you know it's easy to be still if you imagine those kind of poster pictures isn't it like a calm countryside a, a nice um quiet place alone by yourself um and you just rest and recharge the sun streaming down on you it looks so beautiful and idyllic it's easy to imagine being still being having peace in that setting but what about in the craziness and busyness of life in the chaos of coronavirus world we can still have that peace that letting go that trusting god that being still that this is talking about in the rush and busyness of everyday life we can face a world of chaos with calm we can face a world of chaos with confidence because of god's presence with us because of god's power and because of god's good and sovereign plan 